Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Come on, how's everybody doing this morning? Man, what a great worship service we had this morning. We're going to release our children to their Sunday school classrooms, uh, and we're going to get right into it today. Uh, man, what a great day. How many just enjoyed? You got up this morning, and uh, you looked outside, and probably, I don't know if you did, but I looked out my window. There was, it was actually, the, the ground was wet. There was a little bit of rain happening. And there was cloud cover. You know, I'm supposed to, we're supposed to start our service, uh, our first service is at 8.30. I try to get there about 8. And I was just so engulfed in what was happening outside. It was dark and cozy. I was working on my message and, and uh, just kind of going over to this morning's message. I looked at my clock. It was 7.30. I hadn't even taken a shower. I hadn't done anything. And I was like, man, because it was so dark outside. How, how many enjoy that weather a little bit? It's like soup weather. I'm looking forward to some albondigas soup. I saw, I saw Eileen, Eileen made some. She posted it, taunted it in my face. And I said, bring me some. And she laughed. She did an LOL. That was my response. An LOL, really. So, uh, man, good to be here this morning. I'm glad you guys made it out to church this morning. Carrie today is at the North Campus. If you're wondering where she's at, she's at the North Campus speaking there. And uh, we're going to get right into it. It's the last in our Series 10 code. Uh, it's been a good month. We started the month with uh, 10-4, our 10-4 conference. What a great time we had together. And the announcements that we made, uh, planting another campus uh, for the beginning of next year, going to be starting in the Central Coast with Stephen and Monique uh, Perez, going to be going up there. We had a great time, 10-4, which means message received. And uh, we had an idea in the office, why don't we continue with the 10 code, because most of us would be familiar with 10-4, but there's an, there's, a, there's an entire slew of 10 code literally for every number. And so uh, on the 11th, the Sunday the 11th, uh, Bryn spoke in 1011. And, and what that code means is on radio and listening. And Bryn talked about how we can hear a message from God, how we can hear from God and apply it to our lives. And then last week on the 18th, 1018, uh, Drew got up here, just loved that message. Just hearing him speak about priority, 1018 means priority. And how he, how he explained that, that our, our job is to drop everything. When you have a call from God, we drop everything and we respond to that call. And so today we're here on the 25th. It's 1025 and there's a code for that as well. And it actually means to make connection with. So if you get a 1025, uh, what's, what's happening is you're being told to connect to somebody. And, and, and so this morning we're going to be talking about making that connection. And I want to start by asking this question. How many of you would like to live under an open heaven? An open heaven. Let me explain what that means, because you're like, uh, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know if I want to respond to that. But Deuteronomy chapter 28 begins to describe what an open heaven is like. And, and what it's like is it, it says that you're blessed in the country and you're blessed in the city. You're blessed when you're going in and when you're coming out. And, and the reason you can be blessed in, in, in the city and in the country, going in, coming out, because under an open heaven, it doesn't matter where you are. Are you with me this morning? Everybody, come on, I need you. It doesn't matter what you're, where you're at. It doesn't matter your circumstance. God can bless you in an open heaven. God can bless you wherever you are. He can bless you with whatever you're going through. And so what God wants you to do is he wants you to make a connection with an open heaven because he wants to provide for you. Are you here, are you here today? I'm going to need you this morning. Why don't we just do something real quick? Why don't we stand to our feet? Come on, I need you to get the blood flowing a little bit because I can tell this is going to be like, it's almost like I'm the dentist and, and, I'm, and you're getting your tooth pulled. You're, I don't want to do that. Come on, stretch out a little bit. Say yes. All right, so have a seat. Let's get into this. God wants to bless you in whatever circumstance. Can I hear somebody this morning? 
All right, all right. If you, if, if you can't say amen to God wants to bless you in whatever circumstance, it's going to be a long day for the preacher, okay? All right? That's how we're starting off. If God wants to connect you to an open heaven, why? Because he wants to provide for you. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to connect you to that. And so this morning, we are going to, my, my job and my, my, my assignment today is to 1025 you to a flow from heaven into your life. And to do that, I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to read a story this morning, and I'm going to try to unpack it a little bit for you and, and help you uh, understand how to make a connection with the flow of heaven in your life. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible starts off, and, just, and, and the Bible says this, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now, how many would agree that it's always a good day when you get the word of the Lord? All right? It's always a good day when the word of the Lord comes to you. That's why you came to church this morning. You came to church because you, you said, I want to hear a word from the Lord because I know that a word from God can change everything. It literally can change everything. That's why you showed up this morning because, because you're, you're waiting to hear something from God that can shift the, the future of your life. And so the Bible says that a word of the Lord came to Elijah and it said this. It said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And see, somebody say see, see, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Okay, so the word's telling Elijah, I want you to leave from where you're at, and I want you to go to Zarephath, a woman, a, woman, a widow is going to take care of you. Now, I want to kind of give you some context of what's actually going on here. What's happened is, is Elijah... He's a prophet from God, and he's declared a drought over the entire land. And the reason he's done this is because God has spoke to him and has told him that because of Ahab and Jezebel. Now these are the worst, worst. King Ahab is the worst king ever. His wife Jezebel is even worse than him. They're totally corrupt. It's, 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 imagine being under such extremely corrupt leadership that, that God actually calls you in the Bible. You're the worst, all right? That's Ahab and Jezebel. And, and so these, these, these leaders, Ahab and Jezebel, they're turning people away from God and, and they're actually, they're actually, um, um, they're actually, kind of helping the enemy. That's what's, that's what's happening. Now, now how, I want to kind of give you a, an idea of who these people are. Ahab was a weak leader, okay? And, and he marries Jezebel, who's not from God's people. She's an outsider. And Ahab married her. The reason he married her, because he was trying to create an alliance with, an, with, with another country, with another nation. Because he thought to himself, if I, can, if I can marry Jezebel and create this alliance, I'll have more power and there'll be less of a threat that we'd be overtaken. So, so that's kind of what's happened. So he's, he's actually compromised with the enemy by marrying Jezebel. And Jezebel brought that wickedness with her. That's what's happened. Je Jezebel has actually brought the wickedness with her. And you know what she's doing? She's actually executing, executing the prophets of God. And she's taking care of the prophets of Baal. And so you have this just horrible thing going on, and, and in, our, in, in the next chapter of, the, of our text, in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's about to be a massive showdown. Elijah is going to stand against 850 prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, and 400 prophets of Asherah. It's going to be 850 against one, all right? 850 false prophets to one true prophet. Now here's the thing you need to understand. When you're with God, you're always the majority. All right? You're always the majority. 850 prophets and all of their demons are no match to one man or woman who sold out to God. Can somebody say amen to that? 
And so we're going to see in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah's going to take them all out. It's a, it's a massive, massive victory. And, and I want to tell you, when you stand for God, sometimes it feels, especially in the environment we're living in today, sometimes it feels like we're outnumbered. But I want to tell you something. When you stand with God, you, you, you are never outnumbered. Come on, somebody say amen. You're always the majority when you're standing with God. So, so, so here's in our text, we're leading up to this massive battle. Now, that's very key. You need to understand that. Elijah, in just the next chapter, he has to go fight this battle. This is, a, this is an important battle that God has him to fight. Now, now he, Elijah is kind of hanging out by a brook at this time. And, and the Bible says that the ravens are bringing him food every morning and every night. Now, that's pretty crazy because I don't know if you know anything about ravens. They're scavenger birds. And they don't, they don't, they don't give anything. They, they usually take. But I think it's interesting that God actually orders the ra these ravens to take care of God's prophet. Now, that, that goes to show you that God can use anything to take care of you. You know that? God can take anything to take care of you. So, so anyways, he's by this brook that, that, that's giving him water, and these ravens are providing him food. And the Bible says that the brook begins to dry up. All right, the brook begins to dry up. That's a little bit concerning, considering that you've called a drought into the land, and now all of a sudden, there's, the water's beginning to dry up, and you're thinking, well, how, am, how can I live? I can't live without water. One of the things you need to understand is that if God, if, if, if Jesus is your Lord, you never have to fear when the brook dries up. You never have to. God always provides. Say that to your neighbor. God always provides. Even when it seems like the stream is drying up. Even when it seems like that stream of income is beginning to dry up. There's going to be times in all of our lives when it's going to seem like our stream is drying up. It's going to seem like our income is starting to, to run out. But here's the truth. If you're a Christian... You never have to fear because you're not worried about that stream of provision. All you know is that God is your provider. He's the one. Your provision may have dried up, but your provider never goes away. He's always there. And so the brook is starting to dry up, and Elijah's there. And so God speaks to Elijah and says, I want you to arise, and I want you to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there and see... I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, one thing I've noticed in the Bible is that every time that God tells us to see, usually it doesn't look like what he's telling us it's, it is. You know what I'm talking about? Every time he says see, it's really hard to see. You know what I'm talking about? Every time God does that. So if I'm Elijah and God says, I want you to go to Zarephath and see, I've got a widow there that's going to provide for you. If I'm Elijah, instantly my brain, what I'm thinking and what God's thinking are two different things. Because when he says a widow's going to provide for me, I'm thinking, this, 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 this lady's well off. Like, this lady's going to be loaded. Like, she was married to a multi-billionaire. She's got everything. She's loaded, left her everything. She's going to be providing for me. And so the Bible says and goes on and tells the story that he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I might get something to drink. Now, what, what Elijah's doing there is he's testing the waters. He's trying to see, is this the right widow, all right? Because I'm sure there's more than one. And so he's like, I'm going to find out if, if this is the right one. If she knows where the water is, well, then she must be the one. And so verse 11 says that as she was going to get the water, he stopped her and he called her and says, hey, um, don't forget, bring me a morsel of bread as well in your hand. Now, because obviously, if she knows where water is, then obviously in a drought, She's going to know where there's some food. I'm a little hungry, and, 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 and 
God's called this widow to take care of me, and so, so, so bring me some tortillas. That's kind of what's, what's going on. And verse 12, the Bible says that she said, as your God lives, I don't have any bread. All I've got is a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar, and see, there's that word again, I'm gathering some sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. Now, now what you need to see is that she doesn't say, I'm going to prepare it for myself, my son, and you. She leaves him out. She said, you're not invited to this party. This is for me and my son. We're going to eat one last meal, and then we're going to die. So this isn't a happy place. Now, if I'm Elijah in this moment, I would have stopped the whole thing, and I would have said, you must be the wrong widow. All right, can you point me in the direction of a rich, wealthy widow that's supposed to provide for me? That's what I'd be thinking. I'm so sorry to have inconvenienced you. You're obviously not the right widow. I'm looking for a blessed widow. You're a black widow. Maybe you could point me in the right direction. All right, that's kind of what's going on. All right, now here's the thing God wanted Elijah to make a connection with a widow, and, and Elijah thought that the connection was about him. Elijah thought that it's about God providing for his next meal and God taking care of him. But, but what was happening is there's a widow that's there and she's grieving. There's a widow there, she's lost her husband, she's lost her source of protection, she's lost her best friend, she's lost her baby daddy, and, and there's a drought over the land, her provisions probably dried up, the economy is jacked up, things are closing down, everything's becoming very difficult, this woman's probably watched her savings kind of wilt away, and now all she has left is enough flour and oil for one last cake, that's it. She is down to her last. She's probably thinking, you know, if God, you know, the, you know, the word of God says that his eye is on the sparrow, well, he's, he's not, his eye is definitely not on me. But God is actually looking at this woman. He's actually looking at this widow. He, he sees her pain. He sees her grief. And he says to Elijah, I want you to go and make a connection with that widow. I want you to 1025 a widow and she is going to provide for you. Verse 13. So Elijah said to her, he said, don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but also make a cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so what's he saying? He's saying, he's saying girl, I know, I know it's been dry, but God is going to take care of you. That's what he's saying. He says, he says, God's got your back. He's your provider. He's going to supernaturally provide for you and you've got the key in your hand to an open heaven if you'll put God first if you'll do what God's word says he's going he's going to provide for you what was God doing in this moment God was trying to get Elijah to make connection with a widow to 1025 this widow so that he could 1025 this widow to a flow from heaven into her life somebody say amen here's what's going on right here He's trying, what, what, what God's trying to do is connect the widow to something that has to last. Because basically, she's down to her last. She's got one meal left, and then she said, it's over. We're going to die. And so what God's trying to do is he's trying to connect her to something that has to last. Elijah has to last. We know he never ends up dying. And so God's trying to connect this widow to something that would last. 
What what do we know about Elijah? Well, Elijah, in the very next chapter, he's got an appointment with 850 prophets that he's going to take down. He's God's voice. He's carrying God's message. He's, He's the answer for the city. He's standing against the corruption of Ahab and and Jezebel, and there's a hundred other prophets hiding in a cave, and he's the only one. They're fearful for their lives, but Elijah doesn't care. He's speaking up, and he's speaking out. And so what God's trying to do is he's trying to connect this woman to something that will last. He's trying to connect this woman who's down to her last. He's trying to connect her to something that will endure. I want to tell you something. It's the same for you. If God is that detailed to take care of a widow by connecting her to something that has to endure, let me tell you something. He's done the same thing for you. God wants to connect you to something that will endure. And let me tell you what that is. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to provide for you by getting you to make a connection with his church. You know, for 2,000 2000 years ago, on a hillside in Galilee, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples. And since that day, since Jesus made this statement, the church has been the number one most persecuted organization on planet Earth. You know why? Because the devil hates the church. World governments hate the church. In Russia, they executed and threw Christians and pastors in concentration camps. Hitler knew that he couldn't overtake Germany unless he got rid of the church. In China, you can't even go to church. You have to go to an underground church. All over the world, every single week, Christians are being persecuted. They're suffering. They're being vilified and executed every single week. But Jesus says, it doesn't matter. It says it doesn't matter. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. What was Jesus saying? He's saying my church is never going down. It's not going, it's, matter of fact, it's going to flourish. It's going to increase. It doesn't matter what hell throws at the church. The church will still prevail. It'll still prevail. Come on. If you knew there was a giant storm coming, a massive storm coming, and, and, and they told you there's only one ship that's going to weather that storm. You know what that ship would be? It would be the church. And everybody would be flooding to get on that ship. That's what God wants to do. He wants to connect you to something that has to last. Jesus said, I will build my church. The one thing that's not going down, all all kinds of organizations, and there's lots of great organizations on this earth. There's all kinds of great, great institutions on planet earth. But one day, none of those will be around, but the church will still be here. It will survive. And so here's God. He, he's trying to connect this widow to something lasting because he's trying, to, he's trying to get her to be connected to something that will endure. She's down to her last meal, but God's trying to connect her to something that's lasting. It's the same with us. It's the same with you and I. God's trying to connect you to something that will last. There's many things that will not last. The church is not one of them. So you've got to make connection with the flow. You see, I think most people, they picture God like he's, like he's a dispenser. What I mean by dispenser, it's like you go to, a, you go to like a Coke machine or whatever, and you, you drop your money in, you push the button, you get what you want. 
I think a lot of times people picture God like that. And they actually picture God kind of like a reluctant, dis- reluctant dispenser. You know, like the one that you push it and nothing comes out, so you have to hit it and kick it, you know, and reach your arm up in there. So a lot of times people think that that's kind of how God is, that he's like this reluctant dispenser. It's like somehow like God's up in heaven. He's hanging out and conversating with Gabriel, and he's like, Gabriel, these people, they keep crying out to me all the time. They want healings. They want blessings. They want financial provision. Gabriel, it's wearing me thin. I can't take it anymore, Gabriel. And Gabriel's like, but God, you created them. Well, what did you expect? But God said, yes, I know. But I didn't know, Gabriel, that they would be this, this needy. They've multiplied. I only, I only made two of them. Now there's seven billion of them. I'm having trouble keeping up with all of these people. I wasn't expecting them to multiply like that, Gabriel. But Gabriel, but God, didn't you tell them to be fruitful and to multiply? Well, well yeah, but I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. This is getting out of control. Listen, that's not what's going on. It's not what's going on in heaven. God is more than able to provide for him, for everyone. God's more than able to provide for you. He's got plenty of resources. God is not worried. He's not regretting paving the streets with gold. I shouldn't have paved those streets with gold. Now we're in a, now we're in a, a heavenly recession. I've run out of resources to take care of my people. Listen, that's not what God's doing. He's not pulling bricks and, and, and out, out, of, out of heaven's streets to provide for us. That's not what's going on. If there's one thing that God's going to provide for, it's his church. Are you hearing me today? There's one thing, if you're going to get connected to anything, get connected to something that has to endure. The one thing that has to endure is the church. And God's not a reluctant blesser, all right? He, rather, he's, he's trying to connect you, just like he did that widow, to a flow that will never run out. The Bible describes God in Revelation. He describes God as sitting on a throne. And from that throne, the Bible says a river is flowing. A river is flowing, and everywhere the river flows, the Bible says life abounds. Just kind of picture it. Anything connected to that river flowing from God is is full of life. There's trees on the side of that river, and every one of them is producing fruit. There's harvest all the time, not just in the spring, not just in the summer, but literally all seasons. there's There's a harvest happening. Why? Because it's connected to the river. It's connected to the flow coming from the throne. It's tapped into the source, and that's what God wants for you. That's why here at the church, at this church, Elevate, we encourage you to give. We strongly encourage you to give. Why? Because when you give, you make a connection. You make a connection to a flow from heaven. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, you know, the church, all they want, they want your money. They're just after your money. They're trying to get something from you. Let me tell you something. At Elevate Ministries, we're not trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something to you. Get something to you. The Lord has always provided for the church. He's always taken care of the church. He always takes care of his people. Why? Because there's a flow. There's a flow that comes from heaven. And your job, my job, is to help you make connection with the flow. Now, this church is a perfect example of that. Because this church, from the very beginning, from the very inception of this ministry, it tapped into a flow. It it was founded by people that said, I'm going to make a connection to the source. My parents, left, my parents left houses and businesses and security in Kingman, Arizona. They had it made. 
It's just the truth. They had it made, but they felt a call in their life to begin a ministry here. They, they picked up and moved it to Southern California. I was a part of that. I remember riding in the, in the big yellow rider truck with, with all of our stuff. We didn't have, a, there was no job. There was no guarantee. There was no security. There was no congregation. There was no building. There was no people. All, all we had were a bunch of people telling us how crazy we were. And how hard it was going to be. Do you know how hard it is to get a conditional use permit for public, public gatherings in Southern California? Many have tried to start churches in Southern California. What makes you think you can? Do you know how hard it is to do this? But our founders, Pastor Carl and Sister Bonnie, they were tapped into a source. They felt a call of God on their life. And they, they, they said to themselves, if God is for us, who can be against us? All I got to do is step out in faith and connect to the flow and everything will take care of itself because God is committed to his church. And it's the same for you. When you make a connection, when you connect your life into the house of God, there's a flow. You can see this. The widow, as she begins to provide for Elijah, all of a sudden, all of her needs are met. It actually comes back to her, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The Bible says that she, meets, she eats for many days. The Bible says the flour never runs out. The oil never runs dry. Last week, Drew talked about Elijah's protege, a guy by the name of Elisha. Elisha also encounters a, wind, a widow. And this widow, the Bible says that, that her husband was one of the prophets. So he, was, he had a prophetic gift, but he was terrible with money because he left her with a big pile of debt. So much debt that the Bible says that collectors were coming to take her two sons as slaves. I want to tell you something. Anytime, if you, if you have debt, you're a slave. Right? Any, if you have debt, you're a slave. If you have credit card debt, that means you're a slave to Visa and MasterCard. And so you're going to work to pay them. That's called slavery. Right? You're working hours of your life to pay them. You're a slave to Visa and MasterCard. That's, that's how it works. You work, they get what you've earned. That's called slavery, all right? So anyways, this collection agency, she's got so much debt that this collection agency is coming for her sons. And so she goes to Elisha, and she's, she's, she's distraught. And Elisha says, so what do you got in the house? And she says, I've got nothing except a little, jo a little jar of oil. Let me tell you something, that's all God needs. God works in the exception. Any of those places, she says, I've got nothing except, that's all God needs is your except. She says, I just have a little oil in a jar. And then Elisha says, that's all we need. Go get as many jars as you can. Get as many, go, go ask every, don't borrow a few, get as many as you can. In verse four, the Bible says that Elisha says, when you've come in, shut the door behind you and your sons, and then begin to pour that oil into all of those vessels, and then set aside the full ones. So she went from him, and she shut the door behind her, her and her sons, and they brought the vessels to her, and she began to pour it out. And the Bible says that it came to pass that when all the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another jar. She poured oil into vessel after vessel. I mean, just picture this. It just kept flowing. It'd be amazing to be there for that. It just kept flowing and flowing. She had tapped into a flow. It just kept flowing and flowing. And finally, she fills up that last jar and she says, bring me another vessel. And the Bible says that he said to her, there isn't another vessel. So the oil ceased. Look at it right there. So the oil ceased. What I want you to see right there, that the Bible doesn't say that the oil ran out. 
What ran out in this story was not the oil. What ran out in the story was the vessels. Are you hearing me today? When the vessels ran out, the oil stopped flowing. When the empty vessel was there, there was still a flow. Are you hearing me today? It was still flowing. When the, when the vessel ran out, all of a sudden the oil stopped flowing. The only way the oil was going to stop is when there was no more room. I'm trying to connect you to something right. I'm trying to 1025 you to something right here. I'm about to help you make connection with the flow. Let me tell you how you get a flow in your life. You empty yourself out. When you give, you are an empty vessel, a, a place where God can pour out. When you create room for God to pour into your life, the flow begins to come into your life. Are you hearing me today? Luke 6.38 says it like this. Give, give, and it will be given back. Give first, and it will be given back to you. It's, it's, it's about you making connection to the flow. As soon as you give, you connect to the flow. It's like priming the pump. How do you prime the pump? You prime it through giving. Whenever God needs a breakthrough, you know what he does? He gives. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and you need a breakthrough. You need a financial breakthrough in your life right now. How do you do it? I'm going to tell you, it's the same way God does it. He gives. When God needed a breakthrough, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. The key to breakthrough is always giving, and giving requires faith. And so what activates the flow of God in your life? It's faith. Faith activates the flow. That's why at this church, we're going to be constantly giving out. That's why we're constantly sending money to missionaries. That's why we're planting churches and taking territory and sending our best. What are we doing? We're creating empty vessels so that God has room to flow, to tap into the flow. How many are glad to be a part of a church that's in the flow of what God wants to do in the world? Amen. Now, here's what I've found out about giving. What I found out about giving is that, is that the years that I've stepped out in faith and in the years that I've given to God, here's what God does. God always asks you to give up front, but doesn't tell you the product. Just think about it. That's just so opposite of the world, right? Because what does the world do? The world shows you the product, tells you all the reasons you have to have it, and then says, he tells you the product up front, and then says, for only five payments of $29.99, you can have this, right? That's not how God works. God, God asks you to give up front, and he never tells you the product. He doesn't tell you what you're getting back. God says, God tells me, Adam, I want you to pay this. And I'm like, for what? And God's like, just do it. But what am I getting in return? I'm not telling. That's what God does. Why would I do that? Why, why? God's the only, only person that says, I want you to give, and I'm not telling you what you're getting. That just doesn't work in any other scenario, but that's how God works. What is that called? That's called faith. Why would I give and not know what I'm getting in return? It's because I'm, that's called trust. God always asks me to pay up front and doesn't tell me what I'm giving. But here's the truth. Every time I give, when it's all said and done, and the dust settles, I feel like I ripped off God. Like every time, I get way more than I bargained for. Because when I tap into the stores, you, you make a connection by giving, but then you tap into a flow that never runs dry. It just keeps giving. You make that connection through faith. You know, Jesus, the story, Jesus shows up at Lazarus' tomb. And when Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. 
And Jesus gets there, and he, he's in front of all these people, and there's a, there's a memorial service going on. And what does Jesus do? He, said, he points at the stone. He says, roll away the stone. Why would Jesus ask them to roll away the stone? You ever think about that? Like, he didn't need to do that. Jesus has enough power to go through stones. Like that stone wasn't like a kryptonite, stopping the power of God from raising Lazarus from the dead. That stone, that stone wasn't, wasn't stopping Lazarus from hearing. Like he didn't say, hey, roll away the stone so Lazarus can hear me ask him to come out. That's not what, it, Lazarus is dead. He can't hear anything anyways, all right? So why did Jesus need them to remove the stone? You ever think about that? I, I, I thought about that. Jesus asked for it to be moved. There's a reason he's saying it, and, and the reason he's saying it is found in John eleven twenty nine, 29, because Martha's response is this. He says, roll away the stone, and she says, Lord, by this time, there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. In one translation, my mom loves it, it says, he stinketh. He's been there. In other words, what's Martha saying? He's saying this. She's saying, Jesus, if you roll away the stone, the only thing that's going to come out is a decomposing odor. All that's going to come out of that, that, that tomb is a horrific stench of a decomposing dead man. And then look what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? It's like Jesus saying, Martha, I'm here. What you have to do is roll away the stone. Do you really think I'm going to let embarrassment and shame and the odor of death come out of that tomb? Roll away the stone and see what I will do. In other words, I've got the power, but power doesn't flow to need. Power flows to faith. Power connects to faith. we got to connect to the power of God through faith. That's why we had to roll away the stone, because it took faith to do that. You think about Jesus' first miracle. He turned water into wine. It's a great story. In John chapter 2, the Bible says that Jesus' mother said to, said to Jesus, we've got no more wine. And Jesus responded, woman, why do you involve me? Which would have got me a slap across the face if I was, if I was my mom. And, and Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And, and Mary said to the servants, I want you guys to do whatever he tells you. And then she, she left. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial, ceremonial washing, each holding from up to 20 to 30 gallons. So this is like dirty wash, hand-washing water. Picture this. And Jesus said to the servants, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill the jars with water fill them all the way to the brim, and then he told them, then draw some of that water out and take it to the master of the banquet. Now let's just think about what he's telling the servants to do to the master. This is like something you'd see on Punked. They're probably thinking, is there video cameras around? This is, this is crazy. You want me to take hand-washing water, put it in a vessel, and give it to my boss? That's exactly what Jesus asked him to do. You want me to serve my boss, the master of the house, you want, him to, you want me to serve him hand-washing water? Jesus, is somebody filming this? Do you not like him? Is this some kind of joke? Are you trying to get me fired? Are you trying to get me killed? That's what I'd be thinking if I was one of the servants. Now, here's how we like to picture that. Most depictions of Jesus turning water into wine, it's kind of like, you know, he's like the genie. He does that, and boom, wine, you know, instantly, wine, wow. 
Awesome. That'd be pretty cool. Or, or maybe Jesus does something a little more, like he waves his hand over it. You know what I mean? The power of God. You know, just like that. Maybe we picture that. Or maybe we, maybe we picture Jesus getting everybody involved. Everyone, stand to your feet. Lift your hands toward the water, and we're going to turn it to wine together. That's not what he does. He asks some servants to, fill, to take this dirty washing, hand-washing water and take it to their master. I mean, I mean, that is crazy. What's Jesus looking for? He's looking for some faith. That's all he's doing. He's looking for some faith to connect to. He, he has enough power to do whatever he wants. But, but let me tell you something. The flow of God always goes to faith. And so he's taking the faith of the servants that would say, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. Boom. That's the finest wine I've ever tasted. How, what happened? How did that miracle transpire? Their, their faith connected them to the flow of God. Listen, they rolled away the stone in faith, believing that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. Peter, he's just allowed Jesus to borrow his boat. And Jesus wants to repay him by giving him some fish. And so he says, hey, Peter, what I want you to do is I want you to launch out, and I want you to, to, for a catch. Just launch your boat out, drop your nets for a catch. And, 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 and Peter's like, Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing. I mean, why didn't Jesus, Jesus could have just, you know, they're in the harbor, they're in the water. Why couldn't, the, he could just say, you know, stir the water, stir the water, and then, you know, fish start jumping into the boat. Why, why couldn't Jesus do that? He easily could have done that, right? Jesus could have just filled, he could have made it real easy. Hey, Peter, watch this. This is going to be really cool. You know, fish start jumping into the boat. That's not what Jesus does. He says, Peter, I want you to launch your boat out again and drop your nets. And he says, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, you guys love that word. Nevertheless, at your word, I will, I will drop down the nets. And we know the rest of the story. It's your faith that releases the power of God. When you make a connection to the power of God, it happens through faith. A woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she comes up to Jesus and touches Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops in his track and says, somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, Jesus, there's a ton of people touching you. They're thronging you right now. And he says, no, but I feel power flow out. And the woman says, no, it was me, Lord. It was me that, that, that touched you for 12 years. I've been bleeding nonstop. I've spent all of my money. I've tried everything. And I thought to myself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. If I could only make connection with the hem of his garment. Listen, it's the faith. He, he said, daughter, it's not my power that's made you whole. It's your faith that's tapped into the power that has made her whole. Amen. It was her faith that's connected. Our faith connected to the power of God produces a flow in our our lives a flow of blessing you can walk with a flow of heaven in your life but it's gonna come down to faith it's gonna come down to faith your faith making connection with his power I want I want to I want to get you to that place There's one more story I want to talk about and it's the story of, of Abraham right at the beginning of our Bible right right there at the very beginning and what God's trying to do is he's trying to rescue his people he's trying to rescue his creation and his plan is to bring a savior into the world. And so he has to create a nation, a people, to bring that savior through. And so he chooses Abraham. Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 22, the Bible says that, that it came to pass that God tested. Say tested. God tested Abraham. Listen, if God's testing you, it's not because he's trying to punish you. 
God is testing Abraham. Why? Because he wants to promote Abraham. He's trying to do something in Abraham's life. He wants to bless Abraham. And so look what God does. God's, God does in verse, verse 22. He said, Abraham, what I want you to do is I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now, now if you know anything about this story, you know that God promised to give Abraham a son, and through that son, he'd create a nation. Abraham, Abraham had to wait a long time, and, and, and during that season, he decided to take matters into his own hands, and he, he took his, one of his slaves and had a son named Ishmael through her. Now, later on, God would fulfill his promise, and through his wife, Sarah, that he loved so much, would give him a son by the name of Isaac, and this is, the, this, is, this is his blessing. This was his promise. And so we know that, that, that he loved Isaac. He loved Isaac. Now, if God would have just said, take your son and sacrifice him to me, what Abraham would have done would have sounded like this. Ishmael! Ishmael, come here, Ishmael. How old are you now? I'm 25. That's a lifetime. You know, God's required a burnt offering. Unfortunately, you're the one. Nothing I can do about it, right? If it was up to Abraham, it was Abraham's choice, he would have easily, he would have, he would have, he would have I wouldn't say easily, but, but he would have definitely chosen Ishmael over the one he loved. Right? But that's not what happens. He says, I want you to take your son, the one that you love. You see, it would be easier for Abraham to give Ishmael because Ishmael represents that thing that you could do without. Many times I think that's, that's how we give. We come to the Lord and we, 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 we give, and a lot of times we give, well, I could do without this, and I, I could do without that. But listen, breakthrough, blessing, tapping into the source, that doesn't happen by, by providing what you could do without. It always, it always happens when you sacrifice what's most precious to you. Are you hearing me today? So the Bible says in verse three that Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place that God had told him. So, so just picture this, Abraham, the son that he loves. He's got everything needed. He's got the, he's got the wood that's already been, been cut up. And you can almost picture him placing his son, his precious son right there on that altar and, and getting the knife. And it was right then that God stops him and says, Abraham, now I know that you will not withhold from me what is most precious to you. In verse 16 it says, because you've done this thing, I have, I have not withheld your son, your only son. I, I will bless you, and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. You see, God was testing Abraham, and, and it wasn't because God was trying to get something from Abraham. No, he was trying to get something to him. Ishmael represented what Abraham could do without Isaac is what was most pre precious. The breakthrough, it was in Isaac. It was in Isaac. Here's what's crazy. God doesn't de de 
determine the amount of blessing in your life. You do. God doesn't determine the level of blessing into your life. You determine, Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Listen, you're the, you make the determination. It's your faith that activates a flow. When you make a connection, when you tend 25, the flow of God in your life, it produces blessing upon blessing, just like in Abraham's story, blessing. Listen, you can connect to something lasting, something that's not gonna go away, and that's the church. God's trying to provide for you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to create an open heaven for you. How does that happen? It happens when you sacrifice, when you give what's most precious. That's how you activate a flow of God into your life that, that never runs dry, never runs dry. You know, this, this, this season of life here in, in America, you know, beginning of this year, I don't think, I don't think anybody, any of us could have guessed all of the things that we've been through. You know, there's all kinds of economic downturns and all these reports and everything that we're hearing. And, and for us as, as, as ministers at, at our church, one of the things we haven't done, and one of the things I don't really like to do, I always feel a little bit weird, is talking about money, especially during seasons like this. So I was preparing for this, this last message in, in the 10 code, and, and I saw make a connection with and I was trying to figure, well, what, what am I going to talk about? And, and I just couldn't, I could not rid myself of this, this story of Elijah and this widow. And the connection, a lot of times we look at that connection and we think, well, God was trying to provide for Elijah. And that's not true. No, God was trying to provide for the widow by connecting her to Elijah. And it's a picture, I see that picture, that's exactly what God does for us. Is he tries to, he wants to connect us. A lot of times we think we're the ones that provide for the church, it's not true. It's a, it's a wrong way of thinking. No, when we make a connection by providing for the church, God meets our needs and provides for us, that's how it works. The flow of blessing comes because we were faithful and we sacrifice what's most precious to us and God provides the rest, God takes care of us. I want to tell you something, if you can make connection to this thought today, your oil will never run dry. Your flour will never run out. God will always take care of you and he'll bless you more than you could ever think or imagine. And so this challenge, it's hard for me because I realize that so many of us are struggling when it comes to finances during this season. So it's hard for me to, to, to preach a message like this, but I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. I'm trying to unlock the flow of God into your life. I believe everyone at this church should be blessed by God, should be walking in abundant blessings. How do we do that? It takes faith. It takes faith to believe God even in difficult times. It takes faith for that widow to bake that last cake for Elijah, but she did it. And as a result, she was taken care of. God took care of her. It's the same with us. It's the same with us. Let's tap into the flow. Let's make connection with the flow. All over this place, as you bow your heads, close your eyes all over this room. Maybe God's dealing with you. Maybe you've been withholding from God what belongs to God, the tithe that belongs to God. I'm challenging you right now to step out like that widow did and step out in faith and watch God. Watch what God does. He says, 
test me in this, that I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you don't have enough room to contain. Listen, God wants, God wants to bless you. He wants to connect you to a flow from heaven, a river of blessing, that all along that river, there's life. All along that river, there's fruitfulness, there's harvest all the time. That's what God wants to connect you to. It happens when we sacrifice, when we give, and God's dealing with you right now. All over this room, maybe God's dealing with you right now. I want you to make a, make a decision and a commitment in your heart. I'm gonna give to you, Lord. I'm not gonna withhold from you. I'm not gonna try to figure it out myself. Lord, I wanna connect to your flow. I wanna connect to the flow that comes from you. I know that you care for me. I know that you love me. I know you wanna provide for me, and I pray, Lord, that the power of your provision would connect to our faith in giving in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord I want to pray over our congregation can I pray over you this morning I, I want to pray for people I want to pray there's so many faithful givers in this room faithful givers in this room I want to pray a blessing over you, all over this room. Would you receive this blessing right now? Come on, lift your hands. If you're a, if you're a tithe payer and you, you give to the Lord and you've, you've, you don't withhold from God, I believe God wants to bless you. I want you to receive this right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every person that every week faithfully gives to your kingdom. I pray for every person that faithfully connects to something that's lasting by participating financially with the church. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would pour, open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on their lives, blessing from all directions, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I know, Lord, you care for us. I know you care for our needs. Lord, I know that you're, you're the flow and the power of God, the provision of God, it, it's activated by faith. And Lord, I pray for the faithful givers in this congregation, Lord, that you unload on them with blessing that they would never understand, would not be able to explain, pressed down, shaken together and running over God poured into their laps in Jesus name in Jesus name God I thank you today I thank you for that blessing if you believe that would you just we just thank the Lord right here Lord thank you Lord for the provision the power the flow that comes from you in Jesus name would you thank him maybe stand to your feet all over this room and begin to thank him right now maybe you're going through a hard time financially I want you to thank him for the miracle that's coming would you do that would you thank him right now Lord thank you God for meeting all of my needs Thank you, Lord, according to your riches and glory. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, sing it out to the Lord, your praise. Sing it out. This is, this is Jesse right here, okay? Jesse came into our midst, um, how long has it been, Jesse? About three or four months, four months. He moved here from Indiana, is that correct? Mo moved back here from Indiana. He's struggling, all kinds of different things. Gave his life to Christ, rededicated his life to Christ, 
And literally, God's just turned his life around, reunited his family, his wife's here worshiping with him, his daughter. This is an amazing story. But you've got a testimony as it relates to finances and giving. Can, we, can you share that? does always come through uh, it's me and my daughter my three daughters my wife's uh, three months pregnant and uh, our finances I can say that we just we live off uh, $200 a week I go to barber school it's about a half hour away uh, so that money goes to gas but I I always make sure to put my 10% in. And I, not just me, not just my wife, not just my daughter, not just my girls. I mean, we all put on <laughs> at least 10 to 15 pounds of weight. I don't have to worry about buying milk. I don't have to worry about putting money in my gas tank. The last three days that I was worrying about gas, my, my, uh, my gas stayed on a quarter tank and it didn't move for three days and I didn't put any money in or nothing. And I just knew that God does what he does. Come on, come on. I... And I go out jogging every morning, so we, we worry about the new baby getting uh, like car seats, uh, things like for babies. And uh, me and my daughter go jogging and we find brand new stuff for babies on the side of the road and we pick it up. You know, it's, it's crazy. I, 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 was, we were, I was leaving on a Wednesday night. We had, we had a service on Wednesday night, and you couldn't even tell me. Because he was trying to tell me that God's taking care of him. And he's like, I don't know how this is happening. And you were just, you, you couldn't get the words out. It was just, it was just stuck in there. But I, I'll tell you something, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. The tapping into the flow. Listen, God's not done. He's going to give you a great job. You're going to be blessed financially. I'm telling you, you look back five years from now. He says, he says, I'm looking back five months from now and I'm blown away. In five months, what God's done, but I want to tell you something, in five years' time, there's no telling what you'll be doing for the, for the kingdom of God. No telling what God's going to do with you and your family. It's an amazing story. Why don't we reach our hand? Look, come on, let's pray for Jesse. Will you do that right now, Lord? God, I pray that you would a flow of blessing into this man's life. Lord, as he's committed to serve you and live for you, Lord, we can already see the fruit of it. We can already see the fruit of it. Lord, I pray he'd be an example to many. Lord, a testimony to many, Lord God, of the provision, the flow, the power of God. Lord, when someone's obedient to to you and gives faithfully Lord sacrificially Lord we know we know what, what 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 happens as a result so we trust you with that in Jesus can we give the Lord some praise in Jesus name amen come on thank you come on come on lift your hands all of this place Lord we praise you God we worship you Lord thank you God amen aren't you grateful for testimonies like that your praise come on
hand. So Lord, we, we seal this time together with you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. I pray, Lord, as we connect by faith into a flow, Lord, that blessing would come as a result. We look forward to all that you're going to do and all the testimonies we'll hear, the families that have been changed, Lord, just through faith. Faith activating the flow of God in our lives. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Hang out in fellowship. We love you guys so much. God bless you.